You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked on ACC. It's your favorite podcast here from the Locked on Podcast Network. You can catch me every single day, up to five days a week, or 30 minutes talking to my favorite guys from around the ACC. Make sure you download us on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Now, there's so much to go over and cover today. we got a lot to talk about. Listen, I know you guys are thrilled and we're ready to hear about what went down on day one of ACC kickoff. A lot of important things were mentioned and said by Commissioner Jim Phillips. We had a lot of conversations with all of the coastal teams. They were locked and loaded, ready to talk to us, ready to get excited. And it made a good feeling just to have some football back in the conversation, right? A lot of things to go over. We'll cover throughout today's show. Make sure that you don't miss anything by following us on Twitter at LockedOnACC. We've got a lot of good things always to cover with you, so don't miss that opportunity. And can remind you that we're more than just football at times. We also talk about basketball from time to time, and we know that the NBA draft is starting July 29th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Got to catch out the NBA draft. Go Chad Ford, Lock on NBA host Rafael Barlow, Locked on NBA host John Corrales. They'll be live this year covering the draft. The 2021 Locked on NBA draft will be brought to you by Bill Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked on NBA on YouTube today and watch their live coverage again on July 29th. So jumping ship here, talking to Commissioner Phillips throughout this morning's session of ACC Media Day. He had a lot of things he wanted to get off of his chest, mainly his excitement about being the new commissioner, following in the footsteps of John Swafford, who was at a dinner last night. They honored him and clearly was way more relaxed than normal. Well, it's a lot easier to be relaxed when you don't have to answer for a lot of these burning questions that all of us media members have for him, right? Good opportunity to just sit back, relax, and enjoy the vibes. Commissioner Phillips was a great like I think for me personally, I enjoyed his first opening remarks. It was a lot that he got the opportunity to cover from vaccinations to racial injustice, Notre Dame, even the NCAA. And because I'm just so great for you guys, I got a few sound bites that we're going to go throughout this first half of the show. When speaking on vaccinations, we had Commissioner Phillips specifically talk about the fact that the Congress has not yet decided how they will handle teams they're not at 85% vaccination, right? So if the team's not 85%, they figure out the testing protocols, whether it be NFL style, whether it be some sort of type punishment to almost to the point where you're so strongly encouraged that it's an annoyance to the point where you just get the vaccine, right? Having to get those daily tests. And if you are vaccinated, having to avoid those contact tracing issues and what have you. So there's a lot of benefit, especially if you want to compete this fall of just getting the vaccine and that seems to be the resounding sentiment regarding the whole situation. Now, will teams do it? Who knows? There's some universities where their their athletes are part of the student body who are required to get the vaccine. There are others who clearly are going, unless you have a religious or 
some sort of medical exemption. You do not have to get it. A lot of coaches spoke today about the fact that they're going to leave it to the players, ultimately make the best decision for themselves. I understand that completely. But again, it all it took for the NCAA and the ACC to get off my back was for me to put two shots in my arms, have at it, and whatever <laughs> the chips fall, let them fall as they may. So Commissioner Phillips definitely knocked that one out of the park. He spoke a lot about racial injustice and all of the things that the ACC is doing. And I want you guys to take a listen to some of his sentiments and thoughts. I think it's really important that we take a step back and recognize that the ACC has done a lot of work with their core and unity weeks to make sure that these issues are still at somewhat of the forefront for the conference. One area we all have more work to do across our country it's in our social justice and diversity and inclusion efforts. The leadership of our student athletes and schools in embracing the ongoing commitment to racial and social justice has been and continues to be awe-inspiring. More than a year ago, the ACC formed CORE, which stands for Champions of Racial Equity and includes representatives from both the conference office and our 15 member institutions. As part of the ACC's continued commitment to social justice and racial equality, our schools and conference office implemented a number of initiatives and programming over the past year based on the work by CORE. ACC Unity Week took place during the fall, winter, and spring and will continue into the future. Throughout each of these designated periods, our campuses and the conference office further elevated the discussions and programming to unite around social justice conversations and actions. Programming in the fall included a virtual webinar for student athletes on activism and allyship. During the winter, a digital focus was in play throughout February to celebrate Black History Month, which culminated in a league-wide celebration of the ACC's diversity across all member institutions. In addition, as part of the digital play, ACC student athletes shared their stories on the importance of Black History Month and their perspective on why leadership matters. The theme for the spring was activism through sports, which was highlighted by a notable guest headlining three webinars and virtual walks across the league's 15 campuses and our own conference office in Greensboro. Many of our championships took place during these Unity Weeks, allowing our student athletes, coaches, and staff to participate in a unity moment prior to the national anthem and to incorporate lift every voice and sing before our championship competitions. We are grateful for the support shown by ACC Network in not only covering and participating in the previously mentioned initiatives, but also creating specific programs and features such as the virtual roundtable hosted by Dale and Cuff on former ACC trailblazers called ACC Unite no struggle, no progress. The ongoing commitment, difficult conversations, and the initiatives surrounding equality, racial and social justice, and incredibly important to making us all stronger. As commissioner, I'm confident our conference will continue to enhance our dedication and commitment to diversity and inclusion. We will also not lose our responsibility to the importance of supporting and promoting the mental health and well-being of our student athletes and programs. 
This past May, the league sponsored its third annual ACC Mental Health and Wellness Summit, allowing our league to gather together, learn from each other, and share best practices as we work together to continue to break down any stigma associated with mental health. Another interesting soundbite that Commissioner Phillips was talking about, talking about the NCAA, right? So we all know that we've all had our issues with, me in particular, UNC, fake classes, all of that good stuff. We all have some issues with the NCAA, right? Not everyone can not share with me a fun story. So I think that's just really on brand for how the governing governance body, whatever you want to call it, the state of affairs and how they've how they've moved in the last, I don't know, 20 years, 15 and 20, they've been in existence, how hard they've been on athletes of not getting name, image, and likeness, only to now flip course, not give a certain, you know, standard to how it should go, but there's no legislator in, legislation in place for it. And yet they're just pretty much so anti and they're trying, it's just, it's confusing. Let me just stop here. Let me stop talking in circles. Saying all this to say, I think it's extremely frustrating that the NCAA has not come down with some formal universal policy on it. There's no sort of law legislation across the nation for everyone to follow. Conferences are trying to figure it out as they go. So kudos to the uh, conference and Phillips for trying to at least get some sort of, you know, layman's terms out for these universities to go by and therefore having the universities and their, you know, uh, what is the word, ADs and coaches trying to help these young student athletes make some money. But when it comes to overall, let's taking a look back and evaluating the NCAA, it was very interesting to hear Commissioner Phillips' thoughts on that. I would say this, this is the right time to have a complete holistic review of the NCAA. Leadership, structure, what do we want to do moving forward? There's been so many things that have happened in our space here that the timing's right. No predetermined outcomes. Let's take a look. When I look at what we really are super reliant on from an Indianapolis perspective, governance, what's the governance structure look like? Do we have the right governance structure? One size fits all. Is the council working? They're working incredibly hard. Is that the right structure? Again, all sizes, shapes within 351. Championships, we, 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 we've had some, some, a couple issues this year with championships. It's the thing our student athletes love to do. So an assessment there, championships, and then enforcement. I'm getting ready to go in August with one of our schools to Indianapolis. Some of those student athletes on that team that will be subjected to whatever penalties potentially could be handed down, we're in middle school. We're in middle school. And so timeliness, fairness in the system. That being said, the NCAA also has done a lot of great things and continues to do some really good work. So this thing isn't dumped on Indianapolis. I think we all have our fingerprints on the responsibility we have as leaders, whether it's commissioners or athletic directors or presidents. So again, this time, this would be a great time. President Emmer has kind of called for it, kind of a recalibration of the NCAA. 
I think we should take them up on that opportunity and let's work co collaboratively with the NCAA, with our conferences, with our presidents, athletic direct directors and such, and uh, let's spend the next eight, 12 months figuring this thing out because more changes is coming. Final conversation I want to talk about is Notre Dame. Let's have a conversation about why, when we were looking at the beautiful signage, you know, here at the ACC kickoff, there was one team that clearly stood out the most, and that is Notre Dame, despite the fact they are not in our conference from a football standpoint, but are in every other sport available. They still had their logo up there. And Commissioner Phillips, as hard as he tried, tried to crack a few jokes, did not land, but yet and still, he certainly was trying to make us understand the vantage point for Notre, for Notre Dame as to why they may or may not ever join our conference. I think we all got a glimpse of what it would be like to have Notre Dame in the conference this past fall. That was a really be beautiful and beneficial relationship to both Notre Dame and the ACC. They had a chance to play a fantastic schedule. They had a chance to buy for a national championship and compete in the CFP. So we have a real-life example of what that could look like. When I look back, obviously I've spent time there. I think I have close ties there. I have a student-athlete son there and a daughter. Um, and so I think I know the institution, I think, pretty well. But led by a terrific president, John Jenkins and Jack Swarbrick, as you mentioned, Luke. In 2013, when they joined the league, they declared they were excited about being in in all their sports, but they valued independence greatly. And I respect that. The old kind of, you know, quip is Notre, Notre Dame loves two things. One is being Catholic. Second is independence. And sometimes those things get in reverse order. Sometimes they like independence even being more than Catholic. That's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> Listen, um, they know the ACC's interest. It's been um, less than bashful. It's been less than bashful since I've been, been here. Um, but I also respect where they're at and I respect where we're at. And our concentration right now is on our 14 schools. Um, and so who knows where the future is going to go. Um, but I love the group of schools that we have. But you always have to be ready to add. And Notre Dame, contractually, if they were to, to join a conference, again, structured by Commissioner Swafford in 2013, we joined the ACC. So that's where I, we're at, Luke. Appreciate the question, and um, we'll see where this goes. And listen, I'm all for independence. You know, give me some boozy, webby, I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T. But when I tell you that, I, you can't have your cake and eat it too, right? You can't dibble your toe in what we got going on here and then run home and be like, actually, no, independence, we're better off with that. Now, will I say ultimately it makes for better for your school in terms of trying to get the road to college football playoffs, don't have to worry about certain things? Sure. We very much no longer, will we keep enjoying you guys getting the wheels whipped off you at certain points? 
Absolutely. But I can say from a person who's participated in ACC, there's nothing like building those rival games. There's nothing like being in that atmosphere of trying to beat your coastal or Atlantic rival and knowing it all comes down to one or two games, right? So I think that's what I'm really hoping they lean more towards in the future. It's just, it builds that camaraderie. You build those certain games that you have in your system and it allows for your schools just to really continue to grow their brand, which is ultimately what they want to do. Sure, Notre Dame in its own right is its own brand. Speaks for itself, sells for itself. Fighting Irish don't have to work that hard. But if we take a step back and really evaluate it, what the overall benefit of joining a conference, your kids are better off, right? It makes for better for your, for your athletes to genuinely just be a part of something bigger than them. So that's why I encourage it. I'm here for it. But like, you know, Commissioner Phillips said, we'll just have to hold our breath. I don't think it'll ever happen. I won't be sad if it doesn't happen, but you might as well throw it out there for things to get done. So we'll bet over under of it ever happening. I couldn't even tell you, but I'm not exactly holding my breath. Can I say that? But if you choose to bet whether or not that Notre Dame will ever get to the ACC or whether you're betting if Notre Dame will get to the college football playoffs. Strongly encourage you to hit up Bet Online, the fastest and easiest ways to bet on all sports action. Baseball is in full swing, and you can check all the action at betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to playoffs, championships, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus from your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So those are your little sound bites that we had from our commissioner we will go more in depth with that when i have my guy tyler aki back with me next week have some other guys to talk to we're in in the week with our guy jersey drake for freestyle friday so don't be worried about that whatsoever we've got you covered now when it comes to the coastal we have got a lot to go over in this segment a lot of questions trying to be answered in this bad boy right so let's start with the team on top allegedly miami they have strong veteran leadership, right? Garrett King is someone who is certainly going to be that leader. Uh, Bubba Bolden was very much talking about that leadership role that he is glad to step into. Manny Diaz spoke highly of Garrett King and how he came to Miami. He has stayed at Miami. He's definitely trying to make a name for himself. Garrett King spoke a lot about his NIL deal and how he wants to ultimately help his teammates, which just to me, very on brand for the guy. I think he's done such a stand-up job in his short time in our conference. And having the opportunity to return to Miami and win certainly something that I know they're fully focused about. Manny Diaz also really wanted to hammer home the point that during spring practices, they didn't have any starting roles guaranteed. Right, Guys were coming to practice and having to compete, especially on the offensive line, having the threat of someone take your job. That really does bring out the best in you, and I agree completely. I think if you want to be the guys that cover and protect De'Aaron King, especially coming off injury, you're going to have to bring your A game. So one thing De'Aaron King wanted to make sure that he worked on this offseason was the long ball, making those plays downfield, making sure he hits his targets, and then working with, again, companies that will help him and align with his core values to ultimately help his teammates. 
spot on chef's kiss. Great interview. Then we jump to UNC, right? Who Mac Brown could have talked to us for 12 hours if we had had, if we had let him. Cer- certainly had the stories for days. Great interview as always. He spoke about Ty Chandler, the new newest running back's role and how he will be an addition. He's a nice blend between Michael Carter and Javante Williams. He'll be key for ball security and blocking come this fall. The biggest thing that stuck out for me was the season opener and how we had, they are going to go up against Virginia Tech. And a lot of people talk about your season opener, whether you want to be part of a, you know, let's get our feet wet, see how we are and go from there. Or you want to come out swinging, really put your feet to the fire and see who you are as a team very early and very often. He kept hammering home the point about the fact that Carolina has had so much sugar on them this season. A lot of people, they, he said, we're the media darling, but let's see if we're actually good. So I enjoy Matt Brown for his realism because at the end of the day, we can blow smoke all day long. We can talk about how great Carolina's supposed to be. But if you do not put pen to paper and actually put in the work on that field, it'll mean nothing to sit here and predict them to win the conference. It'll mean nothing to say put them for the college football playoffs if you can't get it done. So he's his goal, three wins at least, before you talk to me about national rankings, Okay. One thing other to note, Carolina is not yet at 85% for their vaccines. I am strongly encouraging for all my Carolina folks that I know are listening. Talk to your friends, call them up, hit them up, let them know. (laughs) Need to get this thing going. It's a little bit ridiculous that we can't be 85%. I understand the rule, but I know Carolina is one of these schools that you're going to have to have that vaccine in order to get back on campus. One. Two, I think that it's just let's not go through having what we saw NC State baseball go through. Let's not get to college football playoff conversations, get our tests, and then not be able to perform. That would be heartbreaking, and I'd just rather not let that be our story for this season. We heard from Taman Fox, Jeremiah Gimmel, Sam Howell, three great guys who are all going to be veteran leaders handing, heading into the season. Sam Howell, the theme of the whole day, keep the main thing the main thing. A lot of guys were talking about NIL deals. It was surprising to see how many actually weren't capitalizing off NIL deals, right? So many of us have assumed that everyone's getting phone calls from agents and deals at the wazoo. And sure, there's been some that have taken calls. There have been some that have nabbed deals. But there are plenty of others who are like, listen, I got football. I got school. I'm trying to balance life. If those deals come, great. But I'm certainly not going to go crazy about them. Kudos to them. (laughs) You know, you got to know yourself. You got to know how much you can manage, right? Then we jump to Pitt. Coach Narduzzi was a great interview as well, talking about the quality of player that he has seen significantly improve during his time, his seven years now with Pittsburgh. They only lost nine lettermen, and they're super important that they're trying to focus this season on discipline and preparation. And he says those are going to be the key things that are going to put them atop of the coastal Kenny Pickett, another guy who had a great conversation talking about his NIL deal, ultimately feeding those big guys and hog dinners is the way to go. He mentioned how in high school that he used to do it once a season because that's all he could afford. But that's why the NIL is so important now. He can feed them all year. (laughs) He can get the blocks he needs, right? He can get the good protection because his guys are well fed. Chef's kiss. Another, another great NIL deal that I'm definitely advocating for. Now we jump to Duke. Coach Cutcliffe, personal favorite of mine. I think I could talk Coach Cut all day long. 
he could literally tell me a bedtime story and I would be hooked, right? He's just such a sweet guy. Very excited to see what he and his team do this fall. He had all the jokes for talking about ball security, taking the ownership on him, but also acknowledging that he has to do better about putting the onus on his players and his coaches. He doesn't want to just make it about him, take it all internalized. He has to let people own it so they fix it, which is a very key point, right? Another gem that Coach Cut dropped was the plant well in the spring. If you plant well in the spring, you will beg well come fall. So if you don't plant well in the spring, you won't, <laughs> you will be begging well come fall. So he really honed in on the fact that working with his team starts from January through the season in order to maintain or sustain yourself through the entire time, right? He emphasized the fact that guys just can't come in, you know, spring ball and assume all of those relationships are going to form through Zoom or conversations that you can't genuinely have with one another, right? The bonding is different. You know, a lot of teams were just talking about the fact that not everyone had the same kind of kumbaya and camaraderie, Jeremiah Gimmel, especially honing in on that from Carolina about the fact that he's gotten an opportunity to pay attention to guys differently, right? He's had the opportunity to see some of the younger players play. So I think that's, again, all around a good point. <laughs> and hopefully we'll see Duke step up in ways with Mateo Durant, Dwayne Carter, and Grant Holmberg that we did not last season. Jumping to Virginia, we had Coach Mendenhall with his five-year assessment had to take a step back and truly realize how far Virginia has come. And yet and still, there's so much, there's so much room for growth, right? Uh, barring COVID, Virginia, you know, started out when he got there at two and 10, then got to a bowl game, then got to a bowl game win, followed by the Orange Bowl, and then 2020 happened. So he's taking the incremental improvement without the COVID year and really evaluating how He's going to apply pressure and the lessons from that year to propel his team forward. So I think this is a team where we're going to see the ramifications of COVID and how they really affected a team, right? So when I say the Coastal is up for anybody's game, <laughs> talking to these coaches, I truly, truly feel that way. Georgia Tech, same way. Coach Collins had me convinced that Georgia Tech might not be somebody to sleep on. Jeff Sims, and I know Jameer Gibbs wasn't there, but they're talking about how well they can really embrace, you know, the moment. Allende Ely coming from Maryland and now a part of a great defensive system and talking about his dad who coaches at Morgan State and the opportunity to just really enjoy the process from start to finish. Those are the kind of guys you got to be worried about, right? The ones who enjoy the grind, who have the grind, watch the grind pay off for them. Those are the ones that you need to be leery of. So I just don't feel in my bones. We can be too, too settled about the ACC being going one way. And then we talked to Virginia Tech rounding out the house. Listen, Virginia Tech already knows the things that they have to get done. Not having Khalil Herbert, not having Hendon Hooker, definitely a difficult place. Fuente was reemphasizing about trying to find those yards. Khalil Herbert put the team on his back. And when asked about assessing his five seasons at Virginia Tech, he definitely says, you know, each job and deal is different and unique. Our first two years, I had a very honest, really good conversation with Witt, our athletic director. We won 19 games in two years. 
I said, you didn't bring me here these past two years. You brought me here for what we are about to go through. We were not in good shape. We were in the process of building facilities. We had some other issues on our roster. We're going to take time to get through. We've now completed many of those facilities. We're adding and expanding our support staff for our players and recruiting. Now starting to get into having an older team. So you get that veteran leadership there, get some facilities done. Maybe that'll get you a win. So will he now have time to kind of focus and mellow out when it comes to this great and important season in front of him? Absolutely, because he knows we got to get some things turned around. I think, you know, Coach, uh, athletic director definitely has some faith in him, but only but for so long. And then mentioning the September 3rd game as Mac Brown had the excitement for having that back on a Friday night. I'm pretty sure nobody in their right mind cannot <laughs> not love the idea of Blacksburg on a Friday night, enter Sandman, all of that energy and vibe, <laughs> right? So I think that everyone knows what's at stake there. And the fact that he knows having that rivalry with Virginia, having the opportunity again to play in North Carolina, he knows what he needs, to, what it takes to kind of get into that top level conversation, which of course Virginia Tech has been at for years with the ACC when they you know, finally joined. So hopefully he'll get back on top, but he knows there are a lot of things that he's going to have to do in order to stay in those top level conversations. So there's that. That's all I got from day one. Good stuff. And I'm going to round out with some final thoughts that I want to give you before I end. But let me remind you that, listen, you have not yet got equipped for what could be a great day too. Tomorrow, ACC kickoff, I'm going to tell you why I'm lock loaded and ready to go. It's because I've been fueled by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. If you didn't know, they have nine delicious flavors, mint brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel being mine. There is something for everybody. You can literally get all the flavors in a mixed box, two of each. If you want to just try, don't know what you want, I get it. Sometimes just decide, decide mm, decisions. There it is, decisiveness. <laughs> We all got to figure out what we want at times. And I understand. So I encourage you guys to capitalize on that deal. Not only are Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein and at least 150 calories. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like before the next time you head out. Make sure you go to BillBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. All right, so wrapping up the last part of today's show, I want to remind you guys that if you don't already, you should listen to the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by the Locked On and Odyssey features featuring analysis from Chad Ford and Brian Scalabrine in GM Ryan McDonough, you do not want to miss your chance to hear these guys. Our Locked On NBA experts will make selections and trades for your local favorite basketball teams throughout this special week-long event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. So boom, we're out of here. We're wrapping it up, bringing it on home. Overall, I again am ready to run into a brick wall 
or a couple of these coaches, right? Some that you weren't even expecting. Obviously, you know, I am hell-bent on fangirling from background. If I ever get to have five-minute close conversations, really picking his brain, I definitely just want to know how I can get the plug on the Jays. He came in today with a pair of fours, super sweet. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, but very seriously, got, I think every coach made you just one excited for the season, but two, just really, it just, the coastal is so up in the air. If you have any idea of who's going to win it, I hate to tell you, I hate to be that person, but you might be sorely mistaken. Because not one of these teams gave me the feeling like they're not going to give their absolute all to the season. And not only that, I really feel like a lot of these teams who had a very struggle-esque, you know, making up words here, 2020, they're not going to be that come 2021. A lot of people that we're sleeping on, and I'll be sure to ask that tomorrow when I talk to Atlantic Division teams, we're sleeping on a lot of people. And I really feel like I might reveal next week who I think we're sleeping on, but I truly believe we're sleeping on a lot of people and a lot of people are going to come up for surprises and it's going to be anybody's game. And I'm totally okay with that. I all, you all know I'm a homer, so you all know who my heart, where my heart lies, but you got to earn it. That's one thing about this ACC. You're going to earn your keep this season. Fair enough, right? So there's the thoughts. Hope you guys come back for tomorrow. I think it's going to be an excellent time. And I hope that you are listening to us, following us at Locked on ACC at KMC Cooper for more good times. Until next time. You are Locked on ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.